Hey guys, before we get started, I want to apologize up front for how the audio on this one turned out. Uh, I don't know for sure what happened. I could hear myself fine. He could hear me fine the whole time. But when we got done and I went to edit it, I realized I sounded like a chipmunk with a voice distorter. Um, it really does not sound good. I tried a bunch of things, but I couldn't get it back to working right. But uh, Wes sounds fine in this, and uh, I didn't want to have wasted his time on this during the holidays, so I'm going to put it out, but again, I'm apologizing up front for how I sound in this one. Um, I know most of you don't listen to hear me anyways, so uh, just try to tune me out if you can. Uh, just listen to Wes, but yeah, again, I'm sorry. Uh, it won't happen again. I'll, uh, I'll be sure of it. So... Uh, Thanks for listening. If you make it through it, if not, I totally understand. But uh, just know better ones are on the way. Hey guys, I'm really excited to announce we are going to be doing a giveaway. What this is going to be is a two-man, two-day guided waterfowl hunt on November 18th and 19th in Northeast Kansas with Steady Wing Outfitters. In order to be signed up for the drawing, there's four things I need you to do. You need to go on to Instagram and follow Steady Wing Outfitters Instagram page. You have to follow the Wicked Hunting Report Instagram page. In that Wicked Hunting Report Instagram page, I'm going to be making a post about the giveaway. In that post, I need you to tag three friends in it, and then you have to subscribe to the podcast. Once you've done all four of those things, follow the two Instagram pages, subscribe to the podcast, and tag your three friends. I need you to screenshot all four of those things and send them in a message to me on the Wicked Hunting Report Instagram page. Once you've done that, I'll enter you into the drawing. Uh, the drawing will go until the last day of February. Then on March 1st, I will draw the winner. And then on March 2nd in that episode, I will announce who the winner is. So good luck. Tell your friends. Get as many people as you can signed up. The more people you have signed up, the better options you have that one of your buddies is going to win it and invite you along. Good luck. Before we get started, I want to tell you about our sponsors. Uh, first, we have DuckSeason.com. That's D-U-K-S-Z-N.com. Uh, go on there and check it out. You can trade hunts with people from across the country. Uh, there's a good duck hunting forum on there. You can buy some merchandise. Uh, there's also the Salty Fowl line of clothing on there, where 100% of the profits go to the conservation of eiders. Next, we have Steady Wing Outfitters. It's located in Northeast Kansas, and they're guiding for waterfowl, turkey, and deer. Uh, follow them on Instagram and Facebook, and if you want to book a hunt, you can call Mikey Soberano. His number is 785-410-2304. Next, we have 701 Pursuit. That's Caleb and the guys making hunting and fishing videos on YouTube. Uh, you can check them out there, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all those places. They also have a website. It is the numbers 701pursuit.com. Go on there and buy some clothes, hat shirts, stuff like that. Now we've got Waylon Johnson and his guide service, uh, hunting ducks and geese down in the San Antonio, Texas area. Uh, you can find them on Facebook. It's Waylon Johnson on there. Or you can give him a call. His number is 361 Four nine four seven eight six eight. Lastly, we have Highline Retrievers. 
uh, dog training up in northeast Montana. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. It's H-I-L-I-N-E Retrievers. You can also uh, give me a call. My number is 406-783-7083. Uh, if you have any questions on training, need any advice, any help, or if you want to set up some training in the future for your four-legged friend, uh, thanks a lot and enjoy the show. All right. Welcome into the Wicked Hunting Report. Uh, today I'm with Wes Calvert. He's in central Missouri. So why don't you give yourself a little introduction? Hey, everybody. Name's Wes Calvert. Uh, central Missouri here. Um, Columbia would be the nearest biggest town that everybody would, would probably know of. Um, you know, right smack dab in the middle of Missouri. Um, avid waterfowl hunter. Um, had been at it for about 10 years now. Um, don't uh, do a little bit of deer hunting. Um, spring turkey hunting is my second passion to waterfowl. So, um, if it involves a, a gun and a fishing pole, I probably will try it at least once. Perfect. So what have you been seeing for birds in your area this year? Um, so probably close to average numbers. Um, it's been a little tough. Um, you know, as well as everywhere else around the country, as far as birds go, um, with the, with the drought we had this year in the Midwest, um, our, our water situation was not ideal for duck season. It, uh, it was very low. Um, a lot of the areas that, uh, that oftentimes would hunt, um, several, um, you know, 20 to 20 to 40 spots were, were hunting about half of their capacity, um, cause due to either not being able to, um, you know, not having access to, to water, to pump or pumps being broken, which was a big problem in Missouri this year on the managed waterfowl areas. Um, they had several, several of our areas, um, were under construction that were slated to finish before the season or just flat out didn't get done. Um, there was one area <clears throat> specifically that I hunt quite a bit. Um, here in Missouri, um, Fountain Grove, it uh, normally hunts um, at full capacity during a season. It'll hunt about 40 spots. Um, this year, they were only able to hunt 10 spots. Um, they had a big wetland renovation going on this year, and uh, they had some faulty work done by a construction company that was working on the project, and uh, the, the pumps uh, didn't get put in correctly or you know, weren't, a, weren't able to pump, so uh, they only were able to pump to the east side of the complex. So it kind of kind of cut their positions down to like a third of what they normally would. So, so have you been doing the season hunting-wise, you guys? With all that going on, you're still getting some birds, or are you? Um, yeah, uh, yeah, we we've still killed a few birds here and there. Um, I actually, I I think. This year is the least I've hunted in several years just due to not being able to get in in the draw system. Um, we've hunted about five times, I think, uh, so far, just for ducks anyways. We've got a couple of goose hunts in as well. Um, but I think um, the first hunt we killed a four-man limit, uh, which is 24 birds, and then we've killed, killed a few, got a couple double digit hunts in there you know 10 15 birds so it you know it even with the even with the water situation the way it is we still had some pretty good quality hunts so are you mostly chasing ducks or geese or whatever yeah 
Yeah, yeah, ducks and geese, um, and then we'll chase snows in the spring too. Uh, so we've got a my my brother and his buddies have a permanent snow goose spread that they'll set in the spring, and uh, we'll hunt for a few, you know, two or three weeks in the spring for snow geese. But but yeah, mainly ducks and geese. Um, upland um, upland birds is not uh, as prevalent in the in the central Missouri area anymore as they used to be. Um, you know, kind of like everywhere else, the the, the population of quail. Um, we don't really have pheasants around here, but the the quail population is not not what it used to be either. So, but if uh, if we had a good sustainable population of upland birds, I would definitely be an upland hunter as well because I I love to pheasant hunt as well. So, do you uh, have a dog that you run? Are you? Um, so my my brother has a lab, a red lab that he runs. Um, his name's Cash. He's two years old. Um, my brother has kind of done all the done all the training and whatnot himself. He 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 uh, decided he didn't want to spend the money on a trainer and and has done a done a very solid job of, of training the dog. And um, so he hunted, Cash hunted uh, last year, and he was like. 10 or 11 months so he was just under a year in his first season and now going into his second season he's been a he's worked him all summer and and uh made good strides and and really coming along so i gotcha so you guys go ahead which is which is a big help when you shoot like i do you know you gotta track down those birds every now and then i don't know how athletic you are you know chasing down birds but i'm not very good so a dog is always a good help especially if you're in water yeah definitely so on that are you a water or field guy mostly um probably 75 percent water 25 percent field um just because of the way the birds act around here um all of our managed waterfowl areas are like flooded um flooded either more soil or um ag fields um and then we tend to tend to chase geese more in the fields um around here so we uh we recently this this last week we we got on a hunt um in a dry cornfield we killed oh what was it we killed a 12 geese and six ducks so it was a pretty pretty good afternoon we the ducks were kind of we knew there were some ducks in the area but it was kind of unexpected we killed six pintails actually in the really? field yeah so what kind of spreads are you guys running when you're doing field do you just mostly set up a canada spread and then deal with yeah. the ducks or yeah yeah if there's if there's ducks in the area uh we'll throw just some like we'll throw some spinners in the spread um either whether it be lucky ducks or mojos we'll we'll throw you know four or five of those out in the field if if we know that there's some ducks in the area we've got you know, a, a, maybe a dozen full body ducks that we'll kind of mix in there as well. But most, mostly the spread is, is Canada, Canada decoys, whether it be uh, dive bomb solos. And we've got a few full bodies that we'll mix in there as well. So. So when you're on the water, are you just setting out a big mallard spread or do you guys do like a mixture, like have pennies in a little spot and then mallards in the spot or how do you guys set up? Um, it's probably our our water spread is probably ninety percent ninety percent mallard floaters. Um, we'll throw 
um, about a half a dozen pintails in there, some some teal, and I think we've got a couple of widgeon decoys from like the um, we have a couple of the uh, they're like the Avian X variety pack, like puddle pack. So we run, you know, probably anywhere from four to five dozen generally um, when we're running public land. So and you and throw, we'll throw a couple spinners in there too. Throw, throw a couple spinners, and then we have uh, the Higden, like the Higden agitator, the butt up decoys that move a little bit of water. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to trying to get a few more of those motion type, you know, motion on the water decoys more or less these days. So that way, whenever we have to combat those days where there's no, uh, no movement on the water, it'll help move the decoys a little bit. So have you seen, I don't know where it came from. Uh, like if somebody made it homemade or not, but it was a guy, he had a Mojo's a lucky duck or I don't, I don't remember which one, but anyways, on the right wing, they had made like this cam system that like, so, like, it had male in, went into the body, then had a female, and you put the wing on, and it was, like, on a cam, so when it spun, moved up and down, it had a rod on it with, like, a ball on the end, so it just sat there and beat Splash up and down water. the water like that. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. That was a, I, and I can't remember either whether that was, like, a homemade deal um, or what it was, but, but yeah, I do, I, I remember seeing that video. That's a pretty neat little, uh, pretty little idea they'd come up with. So I know Lucky Duck had like a, I can't remember what they had. It was something similar. It was like a pole that that stuck down off the decoy and it would move the water a little bit, but not quite as much as what that what that uh, rig was running. So yeah, I was I was kind of wondering what that would do to the battery on that too. How much it would drain it down having that extra drag, but I mean, extra batteries is all it takes. Yeah, yeah, carry carry an extra battery with you, which we try to do most of the time, but you know, sometimes it, that extra battery doesn't always make it in the make it in the bag. <laughs> yeah, or isn't charged. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so you were saying that most of the stuff you guys hunt is like on a draw system. Is that like permanent blinds that are set up, and you guys like draw which blind you're in, or you just get like a certain area on a pond, and then you guys set up your stuff for the day, blinds and all. Yeah, so um, there's kind of a there's a there's a mix. So um, for the listeners at home that that don't know you know a whole lot about how the Missouri waterfowl system works, so there's um, they have fifty so fifty percent of the allotted spots for the day um, on any given area um, are are basically dealed out in a um, either the preseason draw, so there's a before the season they have a they have a draw that you can put in for, and you basically select three areas that you want to be chosen for a um, you know basically you can choose it, you know you can boil it down to I want to put in for you know I want to put in for these days you know these certain days that I may have off of work or um, or you can just put first available day and then select the three areas that you'd like to draw for. And then if you, you know, then they'll, they'll draw before the season and then you'll kind of know if you either have a, you know, you'll know if you have a guaranteed hunt for a specific day before the season even starts. Um, but then you, once you get to the in season part of that, 
So inside of that 50, you know, inside of the 50% that are allotted in draws. So basically 25% of that 50% is for the preseason reservation. And then the other 25% is for the in-season draw. So every week, um, basically starting on Tuesday, you can put in, you can put in all the way up until Monday. And then the Monday, you know, Monday evenings at, um, Monday evenings at, at eight o'clock is when the draw results come out. And that's for like two weeks in advance. So you kind of know two weeks in advance, whether you got a spot or not. Um, so then the remaining 50% that, um, are not allocated in the draws, um, are for people that show up that day and want to hunt, you know, if say, if you go out on a Saturday morning, you can put in for the draw for the remaining, whatever, you know, if they're hunting 20 spots, 10 of the spots would be for that, you know, that morning's draw. Basically what you do is you go in, put your name on a list. Um, they have, a they have like a bingo cage basically that they roll. Um, you know, they'll put, if there was 50 parties show up that morning, they'll put in, you know, 52 of those numbers, you know, there'll be 52 numbers in the, in the bingo cage and they'll, you get in line and they roll them out to you. And if you get one through, you know, one through 10, you, you generally, uh, you generally get a chance to hunt that day. Um, so then going into the type of areas that, uh, going into the type of areas. Um, so some of the areas will have, uh, permanent blinds on them, you know, like pit blinds or, um, wooden blinds or stuff like that, that you can, that you can select from or, um, which they, you know, they, the, they call those water blinds. Um, and then, um, they'll have uh, walk-in areas that you can select as well. So just basically they call them wade, you know, like a wading shoot. You wade in and uh, set your spread for the day, pick your hide, whether it be, you know, in the, in the flooded corn or the, the, the tree line around you or wherever. So we, uh, we've recently started kind of carrying an A-frame blind with us and we'll try to set it up uh, whenever we can. So that way uh, we don't have to make it as hard on us to hide you know, so we can, we'll, at least with the A-frame blind, we know we'll always have a spot to, spot to hide, and it won't be, ru- you know, a hunt won't be ruined, because we don't really have that great of a hide, so. So, do you ever have issues, like, like the guys that would have had your spot the weekend before, messing things up, like trampling down, I don't know, like reeds and whatever, and leaving big bear spots oh. at all? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, that's a, that's a big problem, people go in, and they'll trample down the standing corn that that's there to hide in and you know the or the the corn will you know won't won't be the greatest to start off anyways and then they go in and trample a bunch of it down where they're sitting at that day you know instead of making one entry and exit in and out of their spot they'll just trample through all the corn and in and out of the you know blind or in and out of their spot any which way so um they kind of Kind of people are not very respectful in that in that uh, sense. You know, they'll just well, I'm probably not going to hunt this spot anymore this year anyway, so I'll just do whatever I need to to get in and out of here, and not worried about the next person coming in. So you have issues with garbage and stuff too, then? Um, not 
it's not as bad with the garbage and stuff um, because they do have like our conservation officers or our game wardens will um, a lot of times when they check you, they make sure that you're picking up your shotgun holes and stuff. They make you, they'll make you, sometimes they'll make you pull out, you know, like, Hey, what were the, I need you to show me the shells you were shooting today. And you know, if you've got, if you've got 24 ducks that you killed that day between the four of you, you better, uh, you better have at least 24 spent casings with you to show that you at least made an effort to pick up your, your shells and your trash and stuff. So, so if you go into a spot and let's say the last person just absolutely trampled it, looked like a herd of elephants went through some huntable, is there anything you can do about it or you're just stuck with it? <laughs> no, not really. You're pretty much just SOL. I mean, there's there's not like, you know, it's not they're not really breaking any rules by doing that per se. You know, it's more or less just a more courtesy or less thing. just a moral yeah, courtesy or morals morals thing that uh you know, make sure that you're, you know, leaving it, leave the spot better than what you found it type of deal. So. Yeah, I'm glad we don't have that type of thing. That'd be terrible. Yeah. Ours is more of a, pretty much if it's open, it's a, if it's a big enough body of water, you just, you know, have courtesy set up on the other side and don't sky blast things that are working over on the other side. And if it's a small pond, you see a pickup there, just move on to the next spot. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Have you gone hunting anywhere besides Missouri this year? Uh, yeah, so I actually I went down um, in the I guess it would have been the second week of Texas or second sorry second week of November and uh, hunted down at uh, Stanfield down in Knox City with the uh, big honker guys. So I actually uh, hunted with uh, hunted with Scotty Goggles down there and some guys from the Looking Glass uh, podcast page. So, um, we, uh, did some speckle belly hunting, um, in the peanut fields down there, um, made it down for, it was a three day hunt. I made it down for the second and third day. Um, we killed a 16 man limit of speckle bellies the first day, um, that I was down there. And then the second day, which would have been the third day of the hunt, um, we, uh, I think we killed 20, like 22 speckle bellies. Killed, ended up killing like 26 birds altogether between speckle bellies, uh, Canada's, and uh, killed a few ducks in there too. So, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a blast though. Um, if anybody ever has a chance to to go down and hunt with those guys, I would highly recommend it. Um, it's a it's a good time. Um, the people are great. Um, Hospitality is awesome. Food is phenomenal um so it, it's just an all-around good experience down there yeah we had jeff on was on two weeks or three weeks ago he was on gave us the whole spiel oh yeah yeah i bet he's he's uh he uh he even sat there uh he sat with this one night in the dining hall after dinner one night and uh I bet, I bet he sat there with us for damn near two hours and just telling stories and jokes and all that good stuff it was a good time yeah that was the guy I wish I could talk to him longer, but I was doing that podcast before work, so I was kind of had to cut him real short. I was hoping to go longer with him, but maybe in the future he'll find it in his heart to come back on and help a poor guy out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. So were you planning on going anywhere else this season? Are you going to stick close to home for the rest of the year? 
No, I think we're, I think I'm pretty well done going anywhere for this year. Um, probably just stick close to home and um, just hunt around here. We've got, I think we've got about two weeks left of, uh, we've got two weeks left of our duck season here. Um, and then we'll, uh, we've got late honker season until the end of January, first week of February. Um, so we'll, we'll finish out our, try to finish out our season, season strong, shooting some honkers and whatnot. Um, and then maybe, uh, maybe do a little bit of, depending on what the weather's like, uh, we'll do some, uh, chase the snow goose around a little bit for a few weeks when they make their way back, uh, when they make their way back through. So you just stick close to home for that or do you go anywhere? Uh, yeah, we stick close to home. We have a, um, it's actually the, the lake is not too far from my house, actually probably about a mile and a half from my house. Uh, it's a big, uh, big irrigation lake that, um, that we'll set a spread on and hunt, hunt them over water for a few weeks. So that's fun. Water hunting snow geese is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's a blast. So I, uh, it, it's such a weird thing. Like I've always said that, um, I've always said that if I could hunt, if I could, if I could always hunt ducks in a field, I would never set on water again. Um, but with geese, it's the opposite. I would much rather hunt geese over water than in a field. They just, they seem to work much better on water than they, than they do in a field. So my best Canada hunt was on water and that got me convinced on that. Like if you get a good spot, we, uh, we hunted a loafing pond one time and it was, couldn't beat it. We got, took out a couple guys that never been hunting before and kind of spoiled them on their first trip ever because we we hammered them they couldn't we didn't have to do anything they wouldn't stop coming in yeah yeah absolutely you catch them you catch them on those loaf ponds and there's there's nothing like it they just they set their wings and come right on in you don't really you know you really don't have to call at them a whole bunch and they they pretty well know where they're going so it's yeah set out like um, a dozen or so floaters just to give them a spot to look at and that's what we were doing anyways, and it worked perfect. Yeah. So do you got any uh, tips for the people? Any words of wisdom, I guess? <laughs> any words of wisdom? Um, I would, uh, I, I guess my wisdom is uh, is always be, a, always be a student of the game. You know, always be willing to learn. Don't get so set in your ways that uh, um, it keeps you, you know, I, I feel like some people get set in their ways and they don't try new things and it limits you as far as, you know, setting your, you know, people get so set and like, oh, I'm, I'm setting my spread this way and I'm setting this way. And, um, you know, always, always be willing to try something new um, because sometimes on those days where birds aren't just don't seem to quite be working right. Um, you know, if you make a little, you know, make some adjustments to the spread, make some adjustments to your hide. Um, and then, you know, if it, if it works out for you, throw that in your memory bank for the next time. And, um, just always, always be willing to learn something, always, um, be willing to, uh, watch what the birds are doing and, and read what they're liking and, um, make adjustments that way. Yeah. I hunted with an older fella one time. It was just me and him and, we uh, got out there, and I I was kind of thinking the way that the wind was or whatever, we could set up kind of like an odd shape, like a blob spread pretty much. 
but yeah. it was set that we were going to set a U, a great big U with the landing zone, and you're going to sit, you know, just like all the textbook things, have the U, yeah. you're going to sit right there in the center of it, and, man, if you would have, I'm not going to say that we would have killed the geese, but if you would have listened at all, I think we would have actually got something, but they just float on by us, and he also didn't think that you needed to stubble your blind that great, that if your decoys were set, it wouldn't matter, so he just, like, had a couple corn stalks sticking out of the top of it, and Oh, yeah. It was just, I never hunted with him. I know he's not going to listen to this, but I'm not going to say his name. But, <laughs> man, that, never want to go with him again. And I said that he asked me to come back, like, two weeks later, wanted to go again. And I said no. It was yeah. just. I will always, I will always uh, make sure my hide is good. Hide, hide is more important than decoy spread, in my opinion. You know, as long as you're hid, you know, the, the decoys you could, some days, you know, you can put the decoy spread in whatever formation and they'll come in, uh, you know, as long as your head good. So yeah. as, long, as long as those birds can't see you and as long as they're comfortable coming in, sometimes, you know, it really doesn't make a difference what, what kind of shape they're in, you know, as long as you're head. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, that's for sure. That's the big thing that I'm on when everybody else is doing the decoys. If there's enough guys, I'm out there ripping stuff up to get stubble for everyone because i want to make sure that everyone's hit i don't like when it's you know half-assed by some people because one bad one bad blind can ruin it for everybody yeah if you're doing layouts so in montana are you hunting a lot of dry fields or are you hunting um you know are you hunting rivers ponds what what do you I, I don't have a whole lot of experience with montana waterfowl so what are you hunting up there so us personally we, we do mostly field we do a couple, we'll do water here and there, but the water that we do have, a lot of it is like in certain areas. I like It's all kind of jumbled into one spot and they're all hard to get to. So it's just easier if you find their X and do it in the field rather than hiking all your stuff across <laughs> a marsh to get to the actual open water and yeah. not even know if it's gonna work out. But yeah, so we do mostly dry fields for ducks and geese um we'll do there's a couple of rivers we don't have a ton of water but there's a couple of rivers around that we can uh put decoys on and maybe try to get some ducks here and there but that's so hit and miss too we don't have great big numbers when they're migrating through they're kind of just staging here for not very long they push through pretty quick so it's not really that steady and by the time our season rolls i mean we don't hardly have teal at all left and like all the ruddy ducks are gone and stuff like that, so they're not around very long. Yeah. But then when we uh, when we swan hunt, that's when we do uh, water. Um, I think I've only ever shot one dry field swan. All the other ones have been on water. So do you for the swan tags? Do you have to put in for a draw for those, or are those can you just buy those over the counter? So it's a draw in quotes, but this is the first year they've ever hit quota of tags so you could put in for the draw and automatically get one or you could just wait until season comes and if there's swans around you just call in and say hey i want my swan tag and they'll mail it to you or now we have a uh, an app the montana fish wildlife and park app where you can have all your tags on that so i can just go on the app and select swan and hit it and it's, it's a free tag you just get one of them okay and it just shows up on my phone yeah that's it's kind of, the, the the mobile apps are a game changer that's a big that's a big big deal now like i know 
for um, I have one. You know, we have it for here in Missouri um, that you're able to keep all your tags and stuff on. Um, there was also um, like when I go turkey hunting on Kansas, um, they they have an app too. And then uh, when I went down to Texas, they have a they have a mobile app as well that you can keep all your tags and stuff on. So that's a that's a big thing now, and it's pretty pretty convenient actually. Instead of having to carry paper tags around. Well, see, that was a thing too. Like when I was younger, our tags were like this like plasticky paper, and you yep. get them wet, it was no big deal or anything. They're all fine. And then these last like three years, they switched over to a pretty much printer paper. So you just like went into the sporting goods store, and you, when you get your tag, they just printed you out printer paper. You kept that in your pocket, it's going to get all ruined, and if it gets wet, it's toast and you can't just go print it off again you have to like request a new tag and give proof that it was ruined before you can get a new piece of printer paper so i'm glad that they switched over to the app because that just makes it just one less thing i mean i've always got my phone on me for onyx and whatnot so it's just nice that it's there i know there's guys that don't like it because they like to have the physical tag for memories but i mean with it just being a piece of printer paper it's not really worth much to me as a memory yeah exactly yeah, we, we used to have, you know, those, like you said, like the plastic, they were, I don't know, they weren't like a hard plastic, but they were kind of a laminate type deal. Yeah. Um, and we'd always have to, we'd always have to stick our, um, our duck stamp on the, stick our duck stamp on the tag and sign it. Yeah. So that, you know, for, uh, for whatever reason, but now... <laughs> Now we don't even have to do that. We can keep our duck stamp intact on the little piece of paper that it comes on, just fold it up and put it in our wallet, and we're good to go. Which I kind of like that because I do like keeping my I do like keeping my duck stamps. I kind of have started a little collection of those and keeping you know keeping the yearly the yearly um, duck stamp and hanging on to those. So yeah, I've got mine since 2014. I think is the first one I've got that I kept. And I've got all of them. And then once my son was born, I started buying an extra one each year for him that I'm keeping for him. I'm going to you know, keep a stamp, pretty much collection. They're the full thing, but still I'm in a book for him from all the years that he's been alive. Yeah. Yeah. So that's – I do like those just because of the uh, – those ones I can have uh, not memories, but, you know, there's something cool to look at, not just a piece of paper. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. I agree. Have you uh, have you done much with the Hunt Group app? Have you dug into that any or downloaded the? No, hunt? I haven't. I really didn't get to do much hunting this year at all. I just pretty much got to do big game hunting. Was it because we had our daughter right right at the end of September when our season started? So I just I didn't even think about getting it or anything. I thought about getting it, but I figured what's the point to put it on my phone now? I'll do yeah. it next year. Yeah, I need to. I I kind of. I downloaded it and I'm just, I'm bad about remembering going in and actually doing the entries and stuff. So I, I think that'd be a cool little tool to, to have handy, you know, cause you can go back and look, you know, look back on different hunts and stuff. So I just was, was curious if you had, had done anything with that. No, I've, I've tried to keep a physical outdoor journal, but I just get so <laughs> bad about remembering, like you get back, say you get back late at night and you're tired and whatnot and, don't do it and then like a week later you remember that you didn't put it in you don't quite remember it and then ended up having big spaces like in october or whatever when i'm hunting pretty hardcore and just never thought about doing it and then that whole month that i hunted is i mean i can't keep straight what happened when so it just kind of fell apart so 
Yeah. Yeah. It's about as close as I've got. I I feel you there. I'm bad about that too. You get you get home from a hunt and you're wore out and you got to clean. You know whether you're cleaning the deer, you're cleaning birds or whatever, and you're trying to get all that done. And by then you're just like, man, I just want to sit in my chair and have beer and relax for a minute. Absolutely. And then you look over your shoulder, especially if you got a deer, and I've got chunks of deer laid all over the counter, and that's just sitting in the back of my head. I just, yeah, I'd rather just relax and get that done than <laughs> not worry about an extra thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so you said you didn't, you're mostly waterfowl. Do you do, you said turkey too, but do you do any big game or anything like that? Um, every once in a while, I will, I'll, I'll deer hunt, um, white-tailed deer we have around here um i'll i'll hunt you know sparingly you know i'll go during rifle season i'll go a couple of times um i'm actually trying to get into kind of the the big i guess the the out west you know game i've i've put in preference points for wyoming this year for basically every big game animal that you can you know like the well i say everyone I, you know the main four you know the elk the pronghorn and mule deer and white-tailed deer so um i'm hoping to um my buddies and i are hoping to make a a pronghorn trip here in the next couple of years out to wyoming so i'm i was out of i was out of deer hunting for a long time just because around here it's um we've got the conservation areas that we can hunt the public land we can hunt but a lot of the private ground is all leased up you know 100 you know people come in lease the ground and um it's just hard to go knock on doors and get permission to hunt anymore around here so it kind of it kind of drove me drove me out of deer hunting um and i that's kind of when i got into waterfowl hunting that you know the access is more available and um so yeah yeah i gotcha so what i guess when you go to do the western big game what are you most excited about what do you want to try to get first or um i, I would really i really want to start with the with the pronghorn um that's kind of my first that's kind of get my toes wet get out there get a feel for the land and everything um i, I think um that'll be a good introduction to to western hunting um and then after that i'm probably most excited about an elk hunt i would i really I really want to kill an elk. It's been on my, been on the bucket list for a long time, which I'm sure it is for everybody, you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Antelope's a good introduction to it, to someone who hasn't been out there on the big spaces and whatnot. Or, did I say antelope or did I say elk? Uh, antelope, yeah. Okay, yeah. Antelope. Elk is a little bit tougher than antelope. But, uh, yeah, because you can, you know, hunt them all day and, just cover a bunch of ground just drive roads and spot them out there and see if it's something public you can get on or private if you have permission and it's it's real fun especially if you're doing it with rifle it's your first time archery is real tough but it's a lot easier to draw but yeah it'll definitely be our our first time out there will definitely be with rifles so we'll kind of kind of interested to see how that goes and um i'm just another uh, another experience that i'm looking forward to so absolutely so what else is going on in your area i guess have you been have you heard of anybody really ripping into them duck and goose wise or has everybody been about the same as you um there's been you know uh, a lot of guys that 
it's it's been a pretty normal year you know the 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 guys that are generally always killing them in the area are seem to be killing them pretty good um there's a lot of the the ducks it's just so i i don't know i don't have a good update on the ducks because i haven't been out in about a week um i'm afraid so we just had that big cold front come through yeah Uh, i was gonna ask about came through the midwest and it was you know negative 30 degree wind chills here which is it is never that cold this time of year um that's usually we don't get that cold usually till february so um we are currently froze up the i mean the missouri river is pretty well froze over right now it's got big ice chunks floating down it and everything so i'm afraid the the ducks have for the most part moved out of the area um but the good thing is is the geese have moved in um been, been seeing a lot of been seeing a lot of geese around big big numbers of canadas around so um should be a good uh should be a good late goose season this year because sometimes it seems like the the big number of the canadas don't get pushed down until like the middle of january so and we're seeing we're seeing really good really good canada numbers right now so so do your birds come from minnesota mostly um i I think we get a good mix from from minnesota and north dakota so it seems like seems like we get a good good chunk of birds that push down like the birds that will push down through the dakotas and down into nebraska and then they'll come on down the missouri river to us and then we get some that that come from minnesota minnesota too so we're kind of kind of right there in the middle of everything where we are just happen to be smack tab in the middle of everything that we kind of get a good uh a good mix of where the birds are coming from so you guys get any bands down there um yeah we usually a couple a year it seems like um we killed well i I can't say we it wasn't i wasn't on the hunt but my brother um and his buddies killed a resident band um in our early you know like our resident goose season um in october um we haven't killed haven't killed a band yet um in duck season um or goose far this year um, but yeah, it seems like we get a couple, uh, couple every, you know, every year it seems like so, and they're generally out of, um, like Manitoba, it seems like. I gotcha. And I have one more thing I was going to say, I have it lined up. <laughs> um, oh, kind of gun do you shoot? Um, so... I shoot a Stoger M3000, um, 12 gauge. Um, I actually just bought a Franke, um, Affinity 3.0 and 20 gauge back in the spring. Um, but I, uh, I had to send it back to the, uh, had to send it back to the factory to get looked at, um, was having an issue in the trigger assembly. The, the spring that operates the, the guide for the shell, um, it's like, it was like over, overextending and it was binding up in the trigger assembly um so it's currently it's currently back at the factory getting looked at right now um so i i was kind of hoping to mainly switch to the 20 gauge this uh this season i bought a case of boss three fives and 20 gauge that i was really excited that 
I got to shoot for about one hunt. Um, but, uh, so I'm hoping to have it back before the end of goose season and, and maybe take it on a few goose hunts. But, uh, but yeah, I mainly, mainly shoot the Stoger M3000. Um, and then. Is that the, uh, one with the Woodstock and the Cerakote barrel? Or do you get one of the camo ones or what? Um, I've got a, I've got, my gun is actually, <coughs> so I bought my Stoger back in 2013, back when they were still making guns okay. back four. So it's got the Max 4 camo pattern on it from from back in the day. So yeah, the reason I I I just got rid of one. I had a Stoger M3000 and I had the it was a new one, but it was Woodstock and it had the bronze Cerakote barrel. Yeah. So yeah, that that Cerakote is a sharp look. I really I really like the Cerakote look, whether it be you know the the two tone like the Cerakote and camo. Um, stock and forearm or wood stock and forearm so yeah. yeah the reason i asked though about the gun i was wondering if you were shooting a sub gauge i was going to see how you liked it for a geese since you get a bunch of them yeah I, switch to. so hopefully hopefully i'll get my 20 gauge back before the end of goose season and maybe i can hop on with you again after the after the season and i can report report back to you with that because i i don't have much experience with it yet unfortunately yeah i got to i i mean i pretty much shot 12 gauge since i started hunting and then uh, i had my dad has well, it's my mom's but it's her 20 gauge that my dad bought her way back in the day when they started dating and it's kind of sat in the safe for a while so i asked him if i could take it out pheasant hunting last year man toting that around compared to 12 gauge it was so nice it was a, it's a little semi-auto beretta from back in the 90s yeah and it was so nice just packing that around pheasant hunting it was so light and i told him about how how much i like taking it pheasant hunting and then all of a sudden this year when i got to pheasant season he wanted it back for some reason so after i bragged about how nice it was to take it around so i had to give it back up but i'm thinking about saving up and buying a 20 gauge just for that and maybe for waterfowl but i don't quite know if i trust it on geese if we have longer shots yeah yeah, I'm, uh, so I hadn't bought, I shoot, uh, in my Stoger, I shoot a Kicks, um, high flyer. Um, so I'm gonna, I, I haven't decided what I want to buy yet for my Franke. I haven't bought one for my Franke yet. So I think whenever I get it back, I'm going to buy, uh, some kind of aftermarket, whether it's Pattern Master or Kicks or something like that, to, to shoot you know to to put in the barrel and and shoot so i kind of like i like shooting the extended like quote unquote extended range chokes just for i like the tighter patterns you know it, it seems yeah. to kill the birds better you know i <clears throat> i don't shoot birds much past 30 or 40 yards anyways so you know i'm i'm not doing it to shoot birds at 60 or 70 yards i just I don't know. I've I've gotten so used to shooting an extended range choke that I, it's just what I prefer now. Yeah, man. There was a I think it's down in Texas. There's a choke tube. I can't remember what the name of it was, but I had a Stevens 555e over under 16 gauge shotgun. Yeah. And I wanted to buy some chokes for it, and nobody made them in 16 gauge. And so I called them, and they made them for it, like they made custom ones for it nobody ever made them so they just they needed me to send down a choke from the gun and then they used that to make the model and they made me my two chokes or two barrels i can't remember what they were called but they were really good 
was it Rob Roberts by chance? Might have been. I can't remember. They had a website, but I talked. I, I know. Talk to him. Yeah, I know Rob Roberts does some pretty like they they do some customized stuff and whatnot. <laughs> so I wasn't sure if that's who it was or not, but yeah, that might have been. I'm pretty sure it was down in Texas, but I'm not positive. I'd have I sold that gun too, so I'd have to talk to the guy and see what what, <laughs> what the name says on him. Yeah. But, and then every other one I normally just stick the modified in it and go with it. I mean, it's yeah. Not broke. Don't fix it type of deal. But, all right. I, well, uh, I'm, yeah. I was going to say, I hate to cut you short a little bit, but I got little man sleeping on my lap here, so I'm going to try to get him put to bed. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. I got kids' bedtime 17 minutes ago, and they're all hopped up on sugar, so it sounds like <laughs> the wife's losing the battle out there. I got to go yeah. take care of some business. So thanks for hopping on with me, and, yeah, when season's over, probably get you back on if you're doing too, and – Give an after-season report and talk about the 20-gauge if you got it back. Yeah, no, that sounds great, Garrett. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Well, you have a good rest of your night and good rest of the holidays, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.